Hallelujah. I want you to turn in your Bibles this morning. And I'm, my, my title today is Positioning Yourself for Blessing. Positioning Yourself for Blessing. You know, if I showed you guys sometimes how I get a message, I ought to show you sometimes. I get out of the shower with my iPad. It's got cameras on both sides, and I'll be wet and water all down, and I'll be taking a video as I'm talking. It's the funniest looking thing when I look back, but I'll get a message from the Lord and just, just speak it out, you know. Well, I'll do it on my phone or whatever. Well, this is what I, this is some of the thoughts that I had this morning about positioning yourself for blessing. And I, I believe you can have blessing in your life that you just need to position yourself for blessing. You know, the last couple of weeks we've been talking about this. We've been talking about the way for you to get delivered and you to get free. Last week's message was awesome, and this week's going to be just as good. So you're over in James chapter 1, aren't you? You're in 1 Peter chapter 1. Okay, well, you should be. Put your finger, James chapter 1, and then also go over to 1 Peter 1. Two scriptures that are important. 1 Peter chapter 1 and James chapter 1. Let's start with James. He says, knowing this. Say, knowing this. So you ought to know it. That the trying of your faith worketh patience. Let's say that out loud. Let's just read it out loud. Ready? One, two, three. Knowing this, the trying of your faith worketh patience. That goes on. Let's go to 1 Peter, would you? 1 Peter 1. Starting at verse 7. That the trials of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Now I want to one more time go back to James chapter 1. Let's go back there one more time. I told you to keep your finger there. Let's go from that third verse. We're going to read a couple more verses from that one. James chapter 1. Starting again at that third verse. Knowing this. The trying of your faith worketh patience. Next verse. But let patience have her perfect work. And then read this with me. That you may be perfect. Now that word there means mature. Mature. That you may be perfect. Now say entire. entire. And this last thing, I want you to say it real loud. Wanting nothing. Wanting now imagine this. God is telling us there is something that will give us maturity Right? Entire. Wanting nothing. Wanting nothing. Now many of you are in this room sitting here in want. I would believe that be the case. Right? But he says we could be in a position that we would want nothing. You see that? Meaning, meaning that we would be full and entire. I mean that's what that's really trying to say. You and I can be full and entire we can have overflowing, overwhelming blessings from the Lord, so much so that we're not in need, that, that our needs are met, all of our needs. Just like it says, my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. There is a position you and I can live in that we are going to be able to live without lack. Supplied, fully supplied, all of our needs supplied, all of the challenges met in our life. Now, I know that might not be, that, that kind of throws in the face of some of these teachings that you hear, that there's some things, and I'm going to explain it to you so you'll understand what I'm talking about. But I want you to see, let's go back and turn back to this James chapter 1, verse 3. I did a lot of commentary study on this this morning, just spending time in, a, in my commentaries looking it up. 
and I looked at d- different versions of this. And amazingly enough, it's where I have found most Christians error in their belief system. And many of you have had this in your life. If you come to Family Worship Center, it won't be possible because we're going to teach it right out of you. First of all, you have to set a foundation. Go ahead and put that up on the screen. Leave me off. Put that scripture up there. Knowing this, stay with me. I want it behind me. Here's what you do. First of all, before, as you start your Christian walk, you have to have a foundation of who God is and what God is. What, what is God going to do? How, what is God like? And you have to bounce off of that. That has to be the place that you always go back to because if you don't, you're going to be confused as to where things come from. Amen. You understand? You're going to be, you're going to be, you have to be rock solid on where things come from in your life and what it is to be a Christian. Now, let me tell you the first thing I would do is I would have John 3, uh, uh, John 10, 10 memorized and written down somewhere as a hallmark scripture in my life. John 10, 10. Now, we're not going to put it up. I'm going to quote it for you. I've quoted it already today. you got to start here. This is your starting point. This is the dividing line of the New Testament. This is the thing that sets you apart and is going to help you to understand God specifically. And if it don't line up with this, then, it, then it's wrong teaching. You understand? It's got to line up right here. All right? The thief. Now, who's the thief? The devil. John 10, 10. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Right there. Everything that has steal, thief, kill, destroy in your life, where did it come from? He's the one who steals. He's the one who kills. He's the one who destroys. If it's destructive in your life, if, then it's not of God. If it's a thief, it's not of God. If it's, you understand? Now let's take the next step. He goes on and says, the thief is the one that came to steal, kill, and destroy, but conjunctive word, opposite of, opposite, opposed with each other, in opposition, bad, but Jesus came, why? That you might have life and that more abundantly. There is no other scripture that better describes the central core of the believing system of every believer than that one right there. You need, to, you need to know that scripture. John 10, 10. The thief is the one who came to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus came that I might have life. And so the life of God comes from Jesus. Jesus came to bring that life to me. That word there means a good life or a better life or an improved life. The best life. Every perfect gift and every good gift comes from above or from the Father of lights. Then it says, whom is there no variableness nor shadow of turning. In other words, never ever has there ever been nor will there ever be anything but good that comes from God. Every good gift. If it's good in your life, every good gift and every perfect gift comes from where? The Father of lights. God, our Heavenly Father. So say this with me. Bottom line, God, good, devil, Boy, how simple. And yet the church is is floundering on this whole concept of God, good, devil, bad. People go to church every week, and they hear steamy sermons by good orders, 
And they leave that building feeling like they heard something and they're defeated because they think what they're going through is a challenge from God and they're being tested. And they're being, you know, they're going to come out like gold individually. How many of you have ever felt that way? I want the truth. You felt you, you were being tested. Anybody? Come on, I grew up in religion. I know. Y'all act like, well, I don't know. Raise my hand. Come on, let's do it. Let's all be honest. You, you know, we're in church. You can't lie. I heard they go, liars go to hell. Are you ready? How many of you have ever felt like you've been the one that was tested? If you've been in church, you were told that. You were told you were being tested. And that it was going to bring patience. And when patience was done, come on. So you lingered in this test. You lingered in this trial. As if it were against you. Now, first of all, let's go back and look at James. It says, the trying of... Okay, okay. Come on, we'll all read it together. The trying of what? What's being tried? You? Are you being tried? What is being tried? Come on. Your faith. That's what's being tried. That's what's being tried. Your faith is being tried. Your faith. First Peter is the same thing. It says the trying of your faith. It is not God who's on trial. It is not you who is on trial. You're not being so so you think you're being you are being tested. When you go through something, it's you. It's about you. You're being tested. Well, let me tell you what happens if you do that. If you think that the thing you're being tested with is from God, then how do you believe it off? I mean, if it's from God, if the sickness that you're enduring right now is from God, why would you pray to get it off? Wouldn't that be a violation of God? I'm just asking. If the challenge was from God, don't you want to, I mean, shouldn't you just endure it until you learn? Man, I have never been sick and learned a thing. Except how to throw up in a toilet and be miserable and off. I've never seen anybody with cancer come out and say, boy, I'm so glad I had cancer. Especially while they're in it. But let me tell you what's being tested. It's the trial of your faith. And the thing is, is let, me, let, me, let me put it another way. If your faith is in the thing to change you, or if you believe that God is in the thing, or the thing is, you know, that whatever it is that you're going, this thing, then your faith is in the thing. I don't know if you understand what I just said. You have a confidence not in God who will deliver you, not in a, a God who's who is going to bring you out. Not in the good God, but your faith is now in something that it, not God, it is going to change you. It's going to help you. But he didn't say that. He said trust in the Lord. He didn't say trust in things. See, you don't understand this, but if you put your faith there, if somebody can get you to do that, or the devil can get you to do that, where you believe the thing in the thing, then your faith is in the thing. That at the end of the thing, you see what I'm talking about? But that's not where our faith is supposed to be. He said, knowing this, the trying of your faith 
worketh patience. Now, every commentary I read was clouded, not every commentary, but most of the commentaries was clouded with first having theology, then adding their belief to it. In other words, they came up, instead of saying reading the word and just theologizing it, they took it with their belief system, and every one of them says it refers to men being tried. But this scripture does not say that. As a matter of fact, in the original Greek, it says this, the putting to proof. Now what's being put to proof? Your faith. Your faith will be put to proof by what you go through, by the challenges in your life, by the things that you go through. And so God has expected us that we would have faith and trust in him and that when the challenges come to our life and the events of our life transpire and occur, that our faith is then put on trial in this manner, to prove it. Give you an example. Peter, or Paul and Silas, were in prison. Anybody remember the story? Let's just turn over there. I'll go back to this because y'all need to go with me. Let's go over there. Acts chapter 16, and let's start at the 22nd verse. And the multitude rose up against them together, and the magistrate ran off their clothes and commended, uh, commanded them to be beaten. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, change, charging the jailer to keep them safely, who, having received such an instruction or a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stock. I would say this was a challenge. How many would agree this was the trying or a moment when most people would have said they were being tried? How many think they were being tried? They were not being tried. Their faith was being put to test. Do you believe what you said you believe? That's the question, isn't it? Do you really believe what you said you believe? Do you really believe it's going to be put to proof? When tithing comes and we ask you to give tithes, and it says, if you'll open, he'll open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing, and you know the bills are staring you in the face, and you still tithe, you haven't been put to proof. Do you believe what you said you believe? You understand the difference? It's not about you individually. It's not about you being tried or God on trial. It's whether or not you're going to believe in spite of whatever comes against you. Now let me show you how they position themselves. See, this understanding, if it comes to you and you get this really on the inside of you, your perspective on God and receiving from God is truly going to change because you're no longer going to see God as a negative. You're going to see God as a positive. Not just somebody that allows you to go through all this horrible stuff and, you, and if you just can make it through, if you can just hang on. Father, Alone will know all about it. Father alone will understand why. Cheer up, my brother. It's how we live. But you miss it if you live that, that, like that because the Bible says you're seated in heavenly places by Christ Jesus. You are the righteousness of God 
I get so aggravated at songs. I remember the Gaithers came out with one. And I like the Gaithers. I just had to turn them off, though. I'm just an old sinner. Say by grace. And I'm just an old sinner. Y'all remember the song? Say by grace. I know that ain't quite how it goes, but that's what it sounded like to me. I was a sinner. Get this now. I was a sinner. I have been saved by grace. But today, I am not an old sinner saved by grace. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I've been made more than a champion, more than a conqueror. That's who I am. I'm seated in heavenly places. I've been washed in the blood. I've been cleansed under the fountain. I've been made new. Old things have passed away and all things. Glory to God. I am not. Don't you call me no sinner. I am not a sinner saved by grace. I was a sinner. I've been saved by grace, but I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I am a son of God. And now have you been made the sons of God? Now are you heirs to the promise? I am a rich kid. Are you an heir? Now, he said this, now hath you been made heirs to the promise. That's past tense. The moment you accepted Jesus Christ, you were made an heir to the promise of the Father. You are an inheritor. Those promises belong to you and they are yes. And they are amen. I don't see no maybe, baby. You need to get this because it's, it, it, I just feel so frustrated with poor Christians who go through this mentality that they're just begging and, and pleading with God to somehow come through the events of their life. Man, we're supposed to live as more than conquerors. We are, we are champions in God. We are more than able. We have more grace. Grace is abounded toward us. That we can have all sufficiency in all things. And we can abound unto every good work. God has given us power over the works of the devil. Somebody say amen. amen. You better get it straight. Got to get it straight. You are something. Brother, you something in God. You're something in God. God made you something. You are a somebody in God. You are more than you can even imagine in God. God has taken you from what you were and made you a something. He made you a somebody. I grew up with all the doctrines and all the stuff, and I didn't know Jesus. I didn't really know him as conqueror in my life. And I wish I had known then what I know now, because I'm telling you, I'd have, made, I'd have made an impact that I have not yet made, but I thank God I can redeem the time. Yeah. Glory to God. But after a long, wait, 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 let's go back. Here we are. And at midnight. Now, how do, we, how do we do what I'm talking about? The scriptures here indicate that you are not being tried. It is, not, it is your faith that is being tried. Now, we fight three things. You and I deal with three things in our life. Three. Three things. As a Christian, you deal with three things. Are you ready? First, the devil. We know who he is. The thief is what come kill, steal, and destroy. You and I deal with the devil. Number one. What's the second thing we deal with? The world. I can't help. I was riding down the road one day. The light turned green. We went through the light. The guy on the other side was in a U-Haul. About, I don't know, 18, 20 feet long. 
He was doing about 45, 50 miles an hour. I remember seeing him standing, holding the steering wheel, standing in the cab on the brake as he was approaching the side of my car. Dummy. I don't mean that bad. I'm just saying he should have been paying attention. He's probably playing with his iPad. Anyway, he hit us broadside and just mashed in the side of our van. Little boy was in the back. I'm in the passenger side. My wife was driving. She cried out. She said, Jesus. I'm so glad. Because what's in you come out, you know. So she yelled out, Jesus. I yelled out, Jesus. I didn't hear nothing from Brian. Anyway, smashed in the window. Glass went everywhere. Everybody on that side of the car was okay. I had bumped my knee on the thing and got a Charlie horse in my knee. But I'm talking about this thing was doing 40 miles an hour and hit us broadside, tore that van literally in, I'm just basically in half. Just ripped that thing up, mashed the side of that thing in, tremendous hit. And I remember I, I rolled out of that car, and I'm jumping around, dancing in the street. Ah, ah. Everybody's looking at me like, you crazy. What the, is he all right, you know? Like, oh, my knee. <laughs> and uh, when the police got there, the guy said, sir, I am so sorry. For this terrible day you've had. I said, what are you talking about? I shocked him. He was, what? What? I said, no, sir. I've had one of the best days in my life. What? I said, I got, my wife is perfectly fine. There's no damage. She's not cut. We're not having to go to the hospital with her. My little baby was in the back seat. He's perfectly okay. And I just got a Charlie horse in my knee. I said, we have survived this thing. I can buy a van. I can't buy a baby. I can't buy a wife. I can buy a van. No, the angels of the Lord encamped round about me. Obviously, the world was part of that. I don't know why he missed that light. I'm living in the world. That guy missed that light. Things happen like that, you know. You live in the world. Things happen. So you fight the devil. You fight the world. Let me tell you what else you fight. You're going to love this one. You're going to love this. You ready? You ready? The world, the flesh. And the devil, the flesh. The flesh. You know, some of y'all got credit problems because you didn't stop spending. Oh. You, you know why that American Express is at 10000 Because that dress you bought 10 years ago that you're still paying for, that went to Goodwill, You don't even have it anymore. You don't even have that crock pot. That microwave done gave up. And still paying for it. You couldn't resist your own flesh. You know, I have, I, I have, I take blood pressure medication. You know why? <laughs> Let me help you. There it is right there. Uh, I know that's impressive, isn't it? Why? My flesh. Doesn't have anything to do with God or the devil or even the world. It's just I haven't controlled. And let me tell you, them cheesecakes, where are you, brother? That was the best little cheesecakes I have ever had. Do not bring me anymore. <laughs> he brought me these little cheesecakes from New York last week, and I would sit up at night and just eat them little cheesecake. Oh, get thee behind me. <laughs> Ha, 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 ha.
Some of you have no money in the bank because you didn't get a job. Somebody give me something to protect myself. I don't know why we don't have any money. I can't understand. I just can't understand why we got no money. If I had to work at McDonald's for sweeping floors, I know nobody like that. Nobody got excited. See, the Bible says this. It says that if a man don't work, he don't eat. And you know something, unfortunately, that scripture will come true in your life. If you continue to resist the job market, pretty soon you're going to find your plate being a little bit more empty. Thank God for assistance in America. I can tell you, I, I mean, I've been overseas. I sent these boys overseas recently, and I'm telling you, overseas, there are places in this world where they know poverty. We don't know poverty in America. I've been to places where they don't have no assistance. There is no welfare or uh, uh, government cheese. I've been there. And I'm telling you, they, don't, they can't get a job. But in America, if you ain't got a job... It's because you don't want a job. Now, don't get mad at me about it. I know some of y'all mad. I know some of you think he's preaching to me. I'm going to leave. I ain't coming back. But you ain't doing nothing but hurting yourself. Go get a job. 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 You know, the thing is, is if you don't work, you don't eat. And, and the thing, any money you don't make, if I made, if I won the lottery tomorrow and got a million dollars, the 200 I didn't earn from McDonald's last week, I can never earn again. If I make $10 million today, the $2 that I made yesterday, I can never earn again. You have to go out. You have to get a job. You have to work. You got to get a job. Look at somebody and say, get a job. Somebody say, I can't, I just can't get a job. I don't try everything. <laughs> you lie. <laughs> you know how I know that? I can do all things. Either though, I'm, I'm telling you, how do we, see, instead of saying, it's putting to proof. Do you believe the word of God or not? Are you really in faith? Because if you are, how, do, how about this? I got one for you. I got one for you. Nothing. Y'all done finished it for me. All things are. I can't get a job. You lie. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you. Just do. Anytime you feel like shouting, you just shout. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. That's what I'm trying to tell you. When you got saved, you got a yes, you can. You got a guarantee of yes, you can. Yes, you can overcome. Yes, you can live in victory. Yes, you can be blessed. Yes, you can over. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Yes, 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 you can. And you can walk in blessing. Now, about midnight, they're in a mess. I'm going to tell you how to position yourself for blessing. 
First, you know who the challenge is. You know what the situation is. You know the challenge. You also know that it's your faith that's being put on trial. Do I believe what I believe? Let me show you how they did it. In the middle of this terrible challenge, in the middle of this difficult situation, and about midnight, the darkest hour of the night, probably when they were the most tired, probably when they had the opportunity to say, God's teaching us something. Instead, they proved their faith and they positioned themselves for blessing. Here it is. They prayed and began to sing praises. You don't sing praises unless out of your belly is flowing a river of living water. In the middle of a situation like that, when all is to come against you, it's at that moment that your faith will be put to test. Do you really believe that God is going to deliver you? Do you really believe that he's on the throne? Do you really believe that you've served a God that will be faithful and just to deliver you and help you? Do you believe that? Do you believe God will pay those bills? Do you believe that God will overcome that sickness? Do you believe God? Then you ought to be singing and dancing and shouting and praising and glorifying God just like you've got it because that's the only way you can position yourself for blessing. 